What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Senior Quotes Sports Podcast. Aiden and I are joined today by a very special guest, Mr. Ed Randall. He is a radio personality with shows like Remember When and Talking Baseball. He's an author, um, as well as starting up his own foundation, Fans for the Cure, for prostate cancer awareness. So let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Senior Quote Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden Broderick, joined as always by Jack Coleman and also our special guest, Ed Randall. So, Ed, why don't you introduce yourself? Good to see you. Well, it's great to be with uh, both of you guys talking about two of my uh, favorite subjects, which is uh, prostate cancer awareness and education, for which I have a uh, nationally recognized charity and uh, my many years in and around the game of baseball. So thanks for having me. Oh, of course, it's our pleasure. Um, I'm very excited to be here after a, a long, hot day outside on the tennis courts. You know, that's my day job, but this is way more fun. So I'm glad to sit down in the AC with both of you guys. So uh, first things first, I mean, we'd like to plug our Big Picture Sports Group blog that our friend Jack Butterfield started up with us. I finally posted on it a couple of days ago. Got to write about the Patrick Mahomes mega contract. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but just wanted to give Jack a shout out for that. So Jack Coleman, how have you been, sir? I've been good. I'm happy that we're back in the studio, whatever this form of studio <laughs> may be, but I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to finally get Ed on the show. We've wanted to have him for a while, so today's going to be a ton of fun. So Ed, starting off, how have you been in quarantine? Uh, how has day-to-day life been for you as a radio personality? What's been different? You know, stuff like yeah. that. Well, what's been different, Jack, is that uh, uh, my two shows, um, I've been on WFAN on Sunday mornings for 18 years uh, with uh, Ed Randall's Talk in Baseball. And my last episode was the middle of March when I got yanked off the air. And uh, But fortunately, I'll be returning on the 19th of July, a week from Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and so the pandemic obviously had an effect there. And then uh, I also have been, for a number of years, been uh, doing a show uh, that is a baseball nostalgia program on Sirius XM radio that runs nationally Saturday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time called Remember When. And uh, that has had two hiatuses. Maybe, I don't know if that's the plural. Hiatus? <laughs> I, I don't Hiatus? Hi. <laughs> uh, but uh, fortunately, we're bringing that back uh, this weekend. So... Uh, it, it's it's affected me profoundly. I've missed uh, being on the air, but then again, uh, nothing's been going on, so I really haven't. Yes. Done it uh, and uh, but it's given me as tragic as this has been for our country. Uh, it has given me a golden opportunity to do a lot of work on behalf of the charity. That's awesome, and I know that the charity is a big thing for you. Do you have any events coming up? I mean, it's tough right now to be planning stuff with everything going on, but we had a wonderful event. Uh, Jack, uh, scheduled for September 17th, we were going to have our annual gala, in which we were going to honor Mariano uh, Rivera, Mm. and uh, that's gone, of course. Uh, But we're thinking about some other uh, things that we can do to substitute for that. In addition to which, I spent seven years in minor league baseball, and uh, we have uh, become uh, uh, an official charity of minor league baseball. We were designated by the organization called Minor League Baseball as an official charity 
uh, back in 2009. And for the past 13 years, uh, we've been in ballparks handing out our material uh, to uh, urge men to go to the doctors, uh, that that's where it all begins, taking care of your health, being a caretaker. And over those 13 years, we've been in more than 1,200 ballparks. Wow. Uh, we were in 121 minor league ballparks in 39 states just last year, and we were planning to do our 14th annual, as we call it, baseball road trip. Well, that's gone. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the minor leagues are gone, and that's heartbreaking to me for all the people that I know there and that I've worked with through the years who've been kind enough to open their doors to the charity. So uh, uh, we are hoping uh, during this time, uh, this downtime under house arrest, if you will, that uh, we will uh, come out uh, guns blazing on the other side with a number of events we had had planned for March and April and May uh, with regard to uh, prostate cancer seminars, educational seminars, and actually free prostate cancer screenings uh, with a particular emphasis in the African-American community because the incidence of prostate cancer in the African-American community is two to three times higher than it is in the white community. And uh, that has been one of the touchstones for us in terms of getting out into the community and trying to uh, get men to go to the doctors. Oh, definitely. And it's very commendable that you have done all this for so many years now, um, but like all of us, whether it's your foundation, whether it's minor league baseball or all of sports, we're, we're missing out. We're missing out on the day-to-day -day life functions and we're missing out on the sports that we've come to know and love over the years. So, you know, baseball is starting to come back. We're, we're seeing hints that it is all on track to go. We had a Yankees intra-squad uh, game the other day. What is it in your personal opinion uh, that we all need to do to get sports back on a consistent basis? Well, well, more than anything, I, I think it's up to the American people to do the smart thing, as we've been told, uh, which is to uh, wear a mask when you're outside and social distance properly and try to uh, uh, bend the curve, uh, which uh, commendably they did here in New York. Uh, I, I live in a town where it all got started uh, in New York State, and uh, thank God it's gone. Uh, and uh, life has begun to uh, return, not to the degree of which we are, are so used to and which we actually took for granted. I mean, who imagined taking and getting a haircut, taking that for granted? Mm -hmm. I had amazingly long hair until three weeks ago. And uh, uh, it's, it's really up to us to be able to do the right thing so that then hopefully uh, the virus will abate and we will be able to enjoy our games once again. Definitely. And I know you mentioned that uh, talking baseball is coming back. I saw that you were going to have Bob Costas on. Uh, is he an old friend? Is he uh, someone that you've had some memories with? I I'm a big Bob Costas guy, so I was just wondering if you had any stories about him. Yeah, Bob and I have been friends for a, a number of years. Uh, he's been uh, very kind and gracious to me. I did a television show for uh, 14 years called Ed Randall's Talking Baseball. We did 530 half-hour shows. Bob was on a couple of times. And uh, he's, uh, he's uh, terrific and a great credit to uh, my industry. That's awesome. He was incredible in The Last Dance. Whenever Bob Costas came on camera, you knew you were getting a nice little gem in there. Right. Um, so in terms of baseball coming back, obviously Aiden and I are big Yankees fans. I know you have done PA for the Yankees in the past and wrote books like More Tales from the Yankees Dugout. Okay. So 
how do you think the team is going to be looking this season if all things are going on ahead um, on schedule and the acquiring of Garrett Cole? How do you think this team is going to turn out this year? Well, I, I think that, uh, uh, first of all, I'm not assuming that we're going to get to the 23rd for opening day. Let me, let me say that. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, uh, but assuming that we do, uh, they're, they're tremendous. They don't have any weakness. I, I'm not worried about uh, Glaber Torres moving from second base to shortstop. He has a, a, a considerable experience there. Uh, they're going to play DJ uh, LeMayu at second base, a veteran hand to help him uh, should he need it. I don't think he's going to need it. Uh, and Duhar uh, hit a home run uh, in this uh, intra-squad game off of Garrett Cole. One thing we've always known about him, he can hit. And they'll find time for him. And what a pleasant problem that is, that they're so loaded that they're, they're going to have to move Andujar around a lot to be able to get time for him. But uh, the Yankees, as they have had for many, many years, have been in desperate need of an ace. Uh, and there are very few aces out there. It's not like it was many years ago when each team had uh, a bona fide number one starter. You don't have that anymore, unfortunately. But uh, bringing in Cole was something that they absolutely had to do. And uh, God bless uh, Garrett Cole that a pitcher could get a nine-year contract. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. in this day and age and in a, a hitter's time of this sport, like you're saying. But how about Masahiro Tanaka recently, obviously taking that line drive from John Carlos Stanton, maybe the best ball Stanton's ever hit in a Yankees uniform, <laughs> straight to yeah. the skull. Um, it, was, it was a scary moment, obviously, for us Yankees fans who – need that pitching behind Cole because he can only pitch once every five days. So that was a scary moment. It seems like he's recovering well. Have you, you know, what were your thoughts on that? Or have you heard anything recently about that? No, just that he's recovering, thank goodness. And he's, uh, he's going to be fine. He's been wonderful for them. But how great has he been for them in the games he's pitched in October? Mm -hmm. uh, he's been fantastic. And that's where I think he will uh, uh, form a formidable one-two punch. And, and the other thing uh, about the Yankees is, uh, as the old saying goes, sometimes the best trades that you make are the ones that you don't make. You sound almost like Yogi Berra when you say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, for, from the Yankee standpoint, uh, with Herman being sidelined, uh, they're very fortunate that they didn't trade Jay Happ, and uh, apparently he'll be in the uh, starting rotation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you mentioned the Garrett Cole uh, giving up the home run against Andujar, otherwise had a great outing yesterday. It was a funny moment, though, where he, if you've seen the video, he yeah. struck out the batter prior and they tossed the ball around. But you can't do that now in the COVID situation. You know, it's too many people touching it. So him throwing what seemed to be a practice ball, first pitch, home run. But I say give more credit to Andujar than to Garrett Cole being off. But what do you think about where Andujar might be lining up for us this year? Oh, I think he'll be uh, – he may see some time at third base. Uh, he'll he, – They've, they've worked him at first base. He spent a lot of time in Florida after the season, also in the outfield. So right. uh, I think you will see him uh, almost in a Ben Zobrist kind of uh, mm. in, a, in a Ben Zobrist kind of role. Yeah, but a better bat and a worse glove probably than Zobrist, yeah. but still a, the same role, and it should probably serve the same purpose. Yeah. That is crazy though to think about. We have two players moving positions in that infield, but both the positions they've played prior. Obviously, Torres came up with the Cubs organization as a shortstop and was traded here to be that and just was blocked by other players, obviously, Gregorius. Um, but, of course, Gio Urshela, maybe my favorite player from that infield, uh, should still be at third base. Do you think he'll be able to 
perform after what a wonderful last year that came seemingly out of nowhere? It was just astonishing to watch this guy that virtually nobody had ever heard of go out and do what he did. Most especially, I've always been a defensive guy first. I'm sorry. I know there's an orgy of home runs and it's all about powers and the uppercut and launch angle and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's about pitching and defense. I'm sorry. Yeah. And and it was phenomenal to watch this guy play that position all the time and whatever they got from him uh, offensively was a bonus uh, we'll we'll see you can't predict anything here and say well sure. uh, he has to be concerned about a sophomore slump well we don't have a 162 game season in which for us to see if in fact he will have a true sophomore slump but there's nothing to indicate that he can't continue the kind of production that uh, Yankee fans saw from him in 2019. Yeah, I mean, he was electric. And it's funny, we were hunting Manny Machado, obviously, the offseason before, and partially uh, the reasons, partially, excuse me, why he's so well-known and such a great player is his glove, you know, making those throws from the foul, or on the wrong side of the foul line, rather. But Urshela kind of gave us those moments, and for a lot less bucks, obviously. So, yeah. (laughs) It was yeah. great to see that. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, obviously, in more of a broad scope here, we're talking about how you can't guarantee that opening day will happen on the 23rd. You know, there's so much time left for players to opt out, as we've seen already with players like David Price, such a uh, big name to do that so quickly. But my Brooklyn Nets in the NBA have now had seven players uh, right. be scratched from that roster. And they at this point need to bring in like four or five different players if they're even allowed to that didn't play for them during the regular season. So in general, you know, what do you think uh, maybe for baseball specifically the odds of having a season? I know we're banking on it, but what do you think? I I don't know. I mean, we're in a position in no exaggeration where it seems like life changes every 20 minutes. Yep. And and I I don't know what's going to happen. I, 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 it is almost beyond the pale to think that if Mike Trout, opts out because his wife is pregnant and he doesn't want to endanger her or the baby their first that we would play without our best player i i have a real problem with that uh price imagine leaving 32 million dollars on the table uh the red sox are happy because they were paying him he can afford to do that. One of maybe 16 Americans that can do that. Uh, so good for him. And they all have their reasons. I'm, I'm very concerned about how we're going to do this. Uh, you, you made mention about uh, throwing the ball around, around the infield. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, the pitcher's having to bring a rag out. They can't spit. Uh, they can't spit seeds. Uh, they're not supposed to take showers. Uh, mo- the, the, the big, one of the biggest concerns on the road where they're supposed to be sequestered in their hotel rooms the entire time. Uh, I don't know if young athletes are going to be able to react to something like that. I'm, I'm trying to clean it up as best as I can. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I totally agree. I really don't know if that can even happen. We're already starting to see some of the pictures come out from the NBA bubble in yeah. Florida and well, look, it already looks like they can't have it. Look at all of this. I mean, uh, what, the, the MLS is supposed to go tonight. Uh, the soccer is supposed to start tonight. They mm-hmm. lost the team on Monday. Yeah. The Dallas team said we're out. That's right, yeah. So what if the Chicago Cubs uh, or the San Diego Padres said, I'm sorry, we're not going to play? Yeah. I mean, we, we had a situation on Monday where the Washington Nationals called off practice 
because they did not get the test results back from the lab in Salt Lake City. And Mike Rizzo, who put the World Championship Club together, said, uh, for the good of our organization and the health of everybody in it, we did not want to take a chance ha not having the results of the, of the testing, for which he was criticized by the commissioner who said that uh, he was uh, not towing the party line. And, uh, and, and that's really unfortunate. And, and that's, that's right now where we, where we stand. And I, uh, as I say, I hope there's baseball. Um, I really do, but I'm very, very concerned about getting to the 23rd of July. Yeah, and it seems so far away for what, maybe 14, 15 days away. It seems way yeah. further. And like you said, if life is changing every 20 minutes, then <laughs> it's a lot of 20 minute spans until we get there, you know? So it'll be really interesting. Uh, you just mentioning uh, Commissioner Manfred made me think just a couple of weeks ago, we were debating whether or not the league would come back at all or, you know, what the contracts would look like for it. And I remember saying then, like, I don't care at this point, just please give me baseball. But now we're going through a whole nother process where it's like, it says we have a day set to start this all up, but that's no guarantee. So it's really all up well, in the air. And as, yeah. I, I, you know, Mike Rizzo said there's no reason to say that he was insubordinate. I right. think he had every reason to keep his baseball team off the field. A hundred percent. Look, you know, what, what they did was uh, to try to mitigate the risk. All right, we're going to melt the leagues. We're going to have east-east. We're going to have central-central. We're going to have west-west. Well, let's look at the west right now. <laughs> And let's look at the states in which those Western teams are playing. California, Arizona, and Texas, with, where they are having tremendous numbers of new cases. Nine out of ten teams are in those divisions. It, it is in, it is in the, those, those divisions uh, in, the, in the West. Mm -hmm. I, again, uh, if we get to the 23rd, good for us. Right. Yeah. Poor Seattle Mariners. They'll have to be traveling to all three of those states. <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So before the coronavirus really hit, the big talking point uh, for the offseason was the Astros and the whole cheating scandal and all of that and how they were going to be coming into this season with some of the punishments and penalties. Do you think you were, some of the – were the ones who caused the virus, right? Yeah, yeah I believe so, it. <laughs> so do you think – do you think that there's going to be uh, a sense of fall off in terms of other players and teams looking at the Astros going into this season? Is it all going to be hunky dory and happy, or are we still going to get you know pitchers trying to bean some of these guys or no, but, you know, fans? I, I think that what was going to happen in the normal conventional season cannot happen because among the protocols in the manual is no fighting. Oh, wow. So because of people that would gather on the field, and here we go. Uh, so there's that. No, I, I think they're getting away with murder. Yeah, seriously. And you know there That's will be a pitcher, though, that doesn't necessarily break the no-fighting rule, but definitely throws at the Astros. And I think yeah. at that point we'll have to see how that Astros batter reacts because obviously you won't be allowed to charge them out. But right. I think the craziest thing is – you know, there will be no fans at these games. That's where the Astros are going to get the most uh, affected, yeah. in my opinion, were the away games. So they're getting exactly. away for sure with that. Well, they were to open it. Uh, they were to open in uh, Anaheim 
and uh, oh man, and and all these Dodger fans said they were gonna. They bought like three thousand tickets. Jeez, these Dodger fans, and they were gonna go to <laughs> Anaheim just to give them the business for three straight nights. And of course, that's that's not gonna happen. But oh. uh, these these guys are the luckiest guys in the world. That, but I I do agree with you. I, I do think somebody may take a shot at them. Yeah, or a couple, honestly, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, yeah, Jack, do you have something? Sorry. Yeah, so bringing it back to the current Yankee situation, I saw the other day that CC Sabathia was at practice, kind of throwing some pitches around. Now, I'm not talking about a bring back <laughs> CC movement here with Tanaka going down, but do you think CC will come back to the club um, in a coaching aspect or or something like along those lines? Yeah, I think at some point in time he'll be. Uh, 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 he's got an open door there, and I think they would love to. Uh, I think they would love to have him back in some capacity, and I think he would welcome that. He's got so much to give. A great personality too. Uh, the first thing I thought of seeing that picture was why is a non-player being allowed to go out on the field and shag fly balls with them? But obviously, they're you know taking their social distancing very seriously, and it, it just was good to see them. And I thought the same thing, Jack. I was like, if he's allowed to be there. Maybe there's some kind of coaching role in the mix, even for this year. And I really yeah. think that would work well with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, try telling the 300 pound guy he can't be on the field. <laughs> That's a good point, too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's, he lost the weight. He's doing better. He did. <laughs> he's yeah, still was, big, though. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, still big. Um, so, Aiden and I obviously grew up during the core four days. And now we, you know, have Judge Stanton and this whole group. So do you have any cool stories or interviews with guys like Derek Jeter, Rivera, any of those guys that, you know, were really, really awesome to talk about and talk to? Well, I, uh, uh, we've done a number of events uh, on behalf of uh, Fans for the Cure through the years of fundraisers. And one that we did uh, some years ago, uh, we did a night in a theater in Manhattan called Mariano and Friends. So it was uh, me and uh, Mariano and uh, we had David Cohn, Larry Rothschild, the uh, pitching coach, God bless him, flew up from Florida to be with us, and uh, John Flaherty. And uh, we spent two hours in front of a packed house telling stories. And I began the evening by talking about Mariano's great uh, relationship with uh, our Lord and, uh, and about the accidental discovery of the cutter that was just a, a catch uh, with a teammate, with Ramiro Mendoza, and all of a sudden he couldn't throw a straight ball. And, and then it morphed into the greatest uh, career ever assembled by a relief pitcher. Um, what made them so special, uh, those particular guys, and I put Bernie in there because I think Bernie has always got the short shrift. You can talk about Four, four. I think it's Fab Five, frankly. Mm, because like he led the way, even though he arrived a little bit before them. Uh, is they, the way in which they played the game, the way in which they respected the game, the, the, the uh, citizenship that they displayed was uh, without peer. Um, you couldn't hate the Yankees during those years. And, and God knows there are millions of Americans who do hate them. Uh, but because of their success, and they're, they're jealous of their success, but they never gave anybody, Posada, none of them, Pettit, never gave anybody any, uh, any fodder for the uh, bulletin board, if you will. 
they played uh, they played with class. They played with grace. They played hard. Uh, they played the way the game should be played. And uh, for that, we uh, it was a very special time to watch those guys together. Do you think the um, culture of the team changed when Alex Rodriguez came in from the Rangers? Because growing up, obviously before knowing about the Starry scandal, he was my favorite player. And obviously that changed a little bit with that. But he brought this electricity, this entertainment factor that the Yankees, you could say, didn't have. But at the same time, it's not playing the same way that they did beforehand. Like you just said, the way the game's meant to be played, much more respectful. And then A-Rod, who's come in with all these headlines and always being seen out there bringing this publicity that – guys like Jeter, I know, didn't really want to have. So how would you say those few years after the A-Rod trade changed the uh, atmosphere of the locker room and the team as a whole? I think Alex uh, tried, uh, tried as he could uh, to, uh, to fit in uh, because uh, one thing about him, he's a great student of the game, uh, and he understood the uh, culture of the Yankees. Unfortunately, he, there were incidents where it seemed like he couldn't help himself with the uh, tanning himself in Central Park with no shirt on, uh, kissing the mirror, all, all stuff that just was appalling, frankly. But it, that really goes as a testament to the Yankee culture that they were able to overcome that. And, and look, let's call it what it is. They don't win the World Series in 2009 without this guy because he mm -hmm. destroyed the Minnesota Twins yeah. in prior series. So hey, when, when the chips were on the table, he was fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, what he takes away from the game is probably an impossibility of going into the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest, greatest players ever, whether you like it or not, mm -hmm. and because he lied uh, about using uh, performance-enhancing drugs and got caught, and that's a blemish on his career. But in terms of uh, trying to uh, fit into the Yankee culture, uh, he... I think that uh, he respected the Yankee culture because of his, his, his respect for history and he knew what they were, what the Yankees were and are. But also, let's remember this, uh, if the Players Association doesn't get in the way, uh, Alex Rodriguez is going to Boston for Manny Ramirez and yeah. it's completely different. Just like life is completely different when Cashman uh, is not rushing to re-sign Bernie Williams, and he goes and plays golf with Albert Bell. Imagine that. Hmm. And Bernie Williams going to the Boston Red Sox. Imagine that. So there, and, and then all these other crazy things that that go on. Uh, in in ninety uh, after Don was uh, Mattingly was retiring, Gene uh, Gene Michael uh, gave the uh, Seattle Mariners a list of pitchers. Uh, in, in the deal that it would eventually bring Tino Martinez to New York. And on that list were Sterling Hitchcock and Andy Pettit. They wow. chose Hitchcock, the Mariners. Yeah. So imagine that. <laughs> the most important person, uh, and I said this to him on the air, I mean, the, the most important person in the Yankee organization, let's call it what it is, is Stick Michael, the, that he didn't trade uh, he didn't trade Mariano Rivera to the Seattle Mariners or to the Detroit Tigers. Oh my goodness, you know, and kept the uh, kept the owner at bay, which was really quite a, quite an accomplishment. Uh, it's just amazing to look back on that time. We're not going to see another team win four championships in five years.
No doubt about it. I mean, there's no such thing as a dynasty really in baseball right now. The Astros closest thing to it. And then they turn out with this huge cheating scandal. So I definitely agree with you there. Speaking of cheating, uh, we kind of, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but Alex Rodriguez and his PEDs, um, you mentioned you don't see him in the Hall of Fame. How about Barry Bonds? And how, where do you view those two players in the course of history, you know, whether they cheated or not, how do they rank among the best the last, baseball players? I thought the last uh, vote was pivotal because they gained a lot, Roger and Barry Clemens, uh, they gained a lot uh, in the prior vote, and they got, I believe, into the high 50s. And I thought, boy, you know, if they really get – if they get close to 70 here, 70 seems to be the, that, that mark where you're going to go – you're going to get in, and it didn't happen. Right. Um, yeah. the, the issue here with the Hall of Fame voting is that a lot of the uh, veteran writers are no, longer, uh, are no longer voting, and their ballots have been taken away, and now we have a younger generation of voters, which is certainly understandable, but that younger generation, they weren't in the press box with me watching this abomination that was going on in the 90s right. with these Michelin men hitting these home runs, broken bat home runs. And uh, you ever see, I mean, how many home runs did you see to the wrong field, for goodness sakes? Crazy stuff. Um, so I don't think Alex is going in because he was a, uh, he was convicted twice. Uh, I, so is not going in. I, you know, I did an interview last year uh, with uh, Rafael Palmero. Mm. 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. I mean, not even a sniff. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think, you know, uh, Sosa McGuire, Clemens Bonds, uh, Rafael Palmero, Alex Rodriguez. I, I don't see it. Yeah. I, my only take on that, I think we must have talked about it last episode, Jack, is how yeah. impressive Barry Bonds was even without the steroid scandal. You know, if you take away I don't know. the fact that I he had the power. You know, and to, and to your point about that, um, mm-hmm. I think, and again, I'm getting inside Barry, and I did a long interview with Bonds last year, actually, too. I have a, fortunately, I have a terrific relationship with the guy uh, mm-hmm. going, going back. But I think he was jealous. Mm. I think when he saw that it was everything in the headlines, everything that was on Sports Center, everything was McGuire and Sosa, McGuire and Sosa, right. McGuire. I have had more than one person say to me, Barry Bonds is one of the five greatest players in the history of baseball. And that's probably true. Yeah. And he had and he had these MVP awards in Pittsburgh before he even went to San Francisco, as, which always begged the question, why the hell did you use that stuff? Again, allegedly, why did you use that stuff? You were already a great player. And that's a question that we'll never, we'll never know. But he was, I think he felt he was overlooked. And he mm-hmm. just said, well, boys, watch this. And he was astonishing. But he could do, he made the game look easy. How many guys can do that? Griffey Jr. made the game look easy. And not just with the home runs and the RBIs and the incredible batting eye this guy had. And exactly. it's on base. And it, oh, my God. But, I mean, this guy could have stolen 50 bases a year. Yeah. He was I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a shame because that's what I was going to bring up is his Pittsburgh success, where I don't think he was using steroids at the time. He didn't look it. You know, he looked so much different in his back half career uh, with the Giants, the difference mm-hmm. in size of this guy. But, uh, 
yeah, he just had that batting eye like no one else. And oh. obviously the power and the steroids give him that all-time homer record. But Super I just still man. think he would have yep. been potentially a, a Hall of Famer without it. There was a game, uh, I think it was in Arizona. I don't think it was in San Francisco. And Buck Showalter uh, was in the dugout for Arizona. And the bases were loaded for San Francisco. And he walked Bonds with the bases loaded. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, God. I don't think that's happened to anybody else ever, and it shouldn't have. <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So we we already mentioned them, or Ed actually mentioned them. But I recently watched the Thirty for Thirty, the Long Gone Summer of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Do you have any memories from that summer about that hype and and everything going for both of those guys as they were trying to outpace each other? I, I got two stories. Uh, the the first one was uh, being in Yankee Stadium on the night I think McGuire went. He might have gone 69-70, I, I think in consecutive at-bats. And they put it up on the old video board in the old stadium, and there was this reaction in the crowd. Ooh. And then again, and, and I remember that, but, but also there's this. Uh, I was working for ESPN Radio Network uh, as their New York guy, and we, uh, uh, I was in the press box at Chase Stadium against uh, a weekend series with St. Louis. So uh, on Friday night, uh, as early as the gates open, the place is packed because they want to see McGuire take batting practice. <laughs> and I had seen McGuire, imagine this, I saw McGuire take batting practice and it was in the home run hitting contest in Denver in 1998. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> those balls circle the earth once every 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was astonishing. And then in in the in Fenway Park at the All Star Game there, and balls had bound up like on the highway beyond Lansdowne right. Street. Nope. But uh, it, this particular Sunday, I'm doing uh, cut-ins, li- uh, live shots periodically, and uh, I'm on I'm on the air. Now let's go to Ed Randall in New York with the uh, the latest on the Cardinals and the Mets and Mark McGuire. How's, and just as they throw it to me, McGuire hits a ball. If you remember Old Chase Stadium, the scoreboard was in right center field, and the lineups for the teams were listed vertically. And they so McGuire was batting third, and under the same in the St. Louis lineup, it would say twenty five one B, and with a little red dot between the twenty five and the one B. While I'm on the air, McGuire hits a ball that is still rising when it hits the red dot, and I lost my train of thought on the air because I had never seen that. I had never right. seen somebody. I'd seen the scoreboard get hit. I saw McC- Willie McCovey do it. I saw Strawberry do it. I never saw a ball that was still rising. When it uh, when it hit the red dot, he was amazing. I I I remember standing in spring training, and uh, at the batting cage watching him take batting practice. What a privilege for me! And those arms it, it, bigger than my legs. He was it was astonishing to watch that. So the mem- but you know so now they they do the special on ESPN, but really they gloss over what caused all of that mayhem. Um, so I, I didn't think that the special had much credibility. Yeah, no, I, I completely agreed with you on that. It was just kind of my main takeaway from it was as someone who hadn't really lived through it, seeing that summer play out was really cool. But again, they really glossed over some of the more important details there. 
I mean, if I'm, um, if I'm doing the interview uh, or if I'm having the opportunity to do the interview, of course I'm going to ask them. Uh, so uh, he had sat down, Mark had, with Costas uh, a few years ago, and, and Bob said to him, do you think you would have hit, I, I believe it's 583 home runs, without the use of performance-enhancing drugs? And he said, yes. And I was sitting on the couch watching this, and I fell over, doubled over in laughter <laughs> because the, the story was that if you use that stuff, uh, that's going to hit 10 to 12 feet uh, distance with the balls that you hit. Well, yep. the balls that get caught on the warning track against the wall go out now. So I thought that was ridiculous. Definitely. Um, and we've mentioned that you have your show, Remember When. And before we get into some of our more fun top five stuff for this episode, I want to ask you, do you have a personal favorite moment? Do you have a a time in the ballpark or watching a certain game for you that is still top in your mind after all these years? Oh God, so many. I, I mean, just, oh boy, what a question. I mean, it's a great question. Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, I, I happen to have the great good fortune. I spent seven years in the minor leagues broadcasting, uh, doing play-by-play, -play, never called a no-hitter, got really close one night. Uh, in, I was in Vancouver. Uh, with the Oakland A's, and got really close with a with a guy you've never heard of who never made it to the major leagues, named Ron Bell out of USC. Got really close, and then somebody got a hit. Um, but I, I was in the ballpark for Wells's perfect game. I was in the ballpark for David Cohn's perfect game. I was so nervous, you know, and and I hadn't thrown a pitch in many years, and I was <laughs> I was just, wow, this is just incredible, and and. Uh, those are two that uh, stand out. I was there as a kid when Reggie hit the three home runs on three swings off three different pitchers. Wow. Incredible. Um, there, were, there were so many moments that I've been able to uh, really enjoy. Uh, it wasn't a moment in a game, but in 1999, the pregame ceremonies in Fenway Park prior to the All-Star Game when Ted Williams came out uh, in his golf cart, and they had introduced the all century team. Mm. Uh, what, what a moment that was. And then it, after the national anthem was played, this B 52 goes by Fenway park really low. It, it was just an incredible night. And then Pedro just throwing 200 miles an hour, striking out Jeff Bagwell. Uh, I, I've just been really lucky to be there. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the more I talk, the more I think about these things, uh, the three nights in the middle of the week in 2001 in Yankee stadium in October against Arizona, those three games were nuts. And then I had to go to Arizona because I was covering, I was covering that. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm not a Mets fan. I have developed through the years, fortunately, hundreds, thousands of relationships in the game. I root for people. But in my heart that year, because of what we had gone through, I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I grew up in the Bronx. I was really hoping that the baseball gods would let the Yankees win. And I was sorry that they did lose when we went back to Arizona for game six and seven. What a series it was, though. And you're right. Yeah. With that timing, it would have been amazing. It still was. There was some incredible moments. Soriano, I was in the auxiliary press yes. box up in the right field, and I'm making my way back uh, toward the main press box uh, to find out what my postgame instructions are going to be. And I'm just about at first base when I see Schilling, who I've known well through the years, uh, 
been a good friend, uh, throws this pitch that's at Soriano's shoes, and he just buggy whips that bat. Oh, God. Like, wow, that's unbelievable. But it wasn't to be. Yeah. Was it uh, Luis Gonzalez who got the hit off Mo? Yeah. Crazy. It's so clutch. I mean, it's that's just as impressive, but – Oh, well, yeah, it wasn't to be, like you said. Um, yeah, all right, those are all really cool moments. I'm hoping, you know, Jack and I have been calling Boston College games here and there and haven't really had that. We've had getting crushed by 30 against Notre Dame in football. You know, we, we've been with that, but hopefully soon we'll have some pretty cool ones, yeah. We will. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And speaking of which, uh, Jack's top five here. We'd like to do a top five draft of best commentators or sports personalities. They can be friends. They can be yourself. They can be uh, just people you look up to or have uh, learned from. And we'll just go around the horn. We'll start with you, Ed. And uh, Jack, you can have the middle pick. I'll take the swing. And, you know, we'll see what kind Sweet. of list we get. So, yeah, anyone's on the table here. Well, the, the first one, um, and it's very personal to me, is Vince Scully. Uh, I went to Fordham University. And uh, I started my broadcast career at WFUV, and, uh, which was, it was and is an extraordinary college radio station. It's 50,000 watts on FM. Imagine that. And uh, Charles Osgood, the great Charles Osgood worked there. The great Alan Alda worked there. Uh, and, of course, Scully worked there. And when I was at Fordham, I wrote him a letter. And he wrote back. And uh, the Dodgers were coming to New York and I was a student at Fordham and he said, bring the letter uh, to uh, the press gate and uh, I can uh, talk to you for a few minutes before the game. And, and I did, not knowing that I needed a press pass or anything. Uh -huh. and, and they actually let me in. And uh, I went upstairs to meet him and he gave me some great advice and uh, I treasure him. Uh, there has never been anybody like him. I hear him on tape, uh, whether it's uh, the ball gets through Buckner and the Mets mm. win it. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. I hear it in my head. The things that he has said when Gibson was going around the bases after he beat Eckersley, uh, the improbable. I mean, just the, and, and most especially when Aaron hit the home run off of Al Downing to, to become the new all-time home run leader and him recognizing that a black man in Atlanta, Georgia had done this to become the all-time home run leader. So uh, Scully is, Vin is at the top of my list. Yeah, uh, uh, probably the best pick you could have gone with for number one. No complaints there. Um, that's awesome though, that you got to visit him. Cause we've had, we had a very, not as crazy, but a, a similar moment that Tony Reale from ESPN's around the horn, you know, he's been there like 15 or so years, much younger, um, guy, not as much experience as Vince Scully, of course, but he went to our high school CBA and we were able, he's a, he's a Fordham guy too. And a Fordham mm -hmm. guy. That's right. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, but through we a all couple got the of Jesuit teachers, connection rolling, man. I love that. There we go. Yeah. Long story short, though, we got to visit ESPN two years ago. We got to see some really cool people that uh, Tony introduced oh. us to. And he was one of probably our first big guest on this show. So he, in a similar, smaller way, has helped us and really inspired us, uh, like Vin did for you, which is really, really cool. Uh, I started at ESPN 15 months after they went on the air. And at that time, it was one building with three satellite dishes that was it there was no cameras there was no there was no not i got a million espn stories but uh that's great that uh, you guys got to meet tony 
And there's yeah. great people in the industry, like like yourself and like Ben and like Tony. So we really uh, do appreciate all the help we've gotten from all you guys. But yeah, uh, Jack, take it uh, take away your first pick. Yeah, it's me. And I feel like since we brought it up, I have to do it because it's in a similar vein as Ed's pick with Scully. But I'm going to go Tony Reale, another guy who, you know, is great on Around the Horn, brings a lot of energy, but also has a lot of poignant inspirational messages on his show. Yeah. Um, but he has provided us with a lot of help starting out. And, you know, I can really say that he is a friend of the show and, and he helped us out just like again now, too. So I'm going to stick with reality for my first pick. Great. No complaints with that. Yeah. Uh, now I don't have anyone that I have connections with, <laughs> but I will <laughs> make my swing pick here. Uh, just to. Uh, oh, wow. I'm a, I'm a real homer with these first two picks, but they're both the play by play uh, guys for my two favorite teams will go. Ian Eagle, who's been doing the Nets games and a lot of New York sports for uh, so long. And I, I do think he's my favorite play-by-play -play guy. Obviously, it's just like a favoritism kind of thing. Like, I'm not picking the Al Michaels of the world, but not here. At least. <laughs> but I, I still want Ian Eagle number one. Uh, look up to him. Uh, and then Michael Kay. I have to do it. I, I just love Michael Kay on Yankees games. It's like such Michael a favoritism K, so. thing, but just no one else seems to be as passionate about their teams, especially when you have guys like Joe Buck, who go for the professional, very serious tone. You have Michael Kay, who's clearly a fan, getting so excited. There it goes. See ya. Like, I just, I love that. So I, I got to take Michael yeah. Kay as my number two. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Jack. All right. And we already talked about him tonight, but I'm going to go with Bob Costas. I think that Costas brings a certain minutiae to a lot of his storytelling and, and interviews that is really rare to be found in in the game. So I think that Bob is just a legend already. Um, and obviously he's a friend to Ed as well. So he's definitely going to be my number two there. All right, Ed, on to you. Good pick, Cole. Well, uh, certainly yeah, Bob is uh, great. And uh, so I, I'll uh, go with him. And uh, Al Michaels is extraordinary. Both are awesome. I mean, Al Michaels, when I think of football, I think he might be the first person I think of. Just Sunday Night Football just does yeah. it so well. Um, obviously, there's others as well, but he and Bob Costas both bring that professionalism, are, are so great, so well-informed, and really make it such a great experience to watch those games. So, again, no complaints. I won't, I won't be able to take either, but that's all right. <laughs> Jack, back to you. So, <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with someone that I personally, like I hear their voice and I immediately think of a certain sport. So I'm going with Dick Vitale. I think that college mm -hmm. basketball is just not the same without him. Some people don't really like him, but I think when he's calling a game, I'm always intrigued and always ready for that last second buzzer beater in mid-March Madness. Definitely. And I miss March Madness and we'd be hearing a lot yeah. more from him this year if we had it, but one of many sports we missed this spring. Uh, I'm going to go with Jim Nance. He'll be my uh, one from the big national TV uh, broadcasters. Uh, I think he's awesome as well. And then give me a Scott Van Pelt as a uh, more of a personality type. I think he kills it on the uh, nightly sports centers. And obviously I remember him being on everyday sports centers back 10 years ago when it seemed like everybody had that on their TV every morning, every day. I certainly did. So I'll take Scott Van Pelt as number four for me. Uh, back to you, Jack. All right, this is getting tough here. These are like yeah. my last couple picks. So I think I'm going to go with Chris Berman. I think Chris Berman brings a lot of fun to football. 
And to me, it kind of plays into that arcade-like style of football when you have Chris Berman calling stuff and, and going through his analysis. So I'm, I'm sticking with Chris Berman at number four. Sure thing. All right, Ed, you have your last two picks here for this round. Who do you got? Well, I, one, one guy I just thought of, and he just retired, but I, I thought he was fantastic uh, because he was calm and colorful and uh, did, uh, didn't do baseball that I ever I don't. I don't think he ever did baseball, but that's Vern Lundquist. Um, mm. I, I think he did golf. I'm not a golf guy, uh, but uh, Vern Lundquist was fabulous. It just uh, understated, but he could really uh, paint the picture uh, when he was uh, behind the mic doing play-by-play. Yeah, and then uh, you have one more pick as well, since that's your uh, the swing pick, as we call it, the back-to-back. So, well, I'll take uh, I'll take uh, John Miller. Uh, who did ESPN uh, Sunday Night Baseball for many years. I've known John forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, he has a great sense of humor. And uh, I love that. But I would put it with uh, Slash Bob Uecker, who's cool. now 86 years old. Um, a, Bob is a homer uh, with the Brewers. I mean, a ball gets in the air and it's deep and he goes, get out, get out. You know, <laughs> and, you know Paul Carrollson does the same thing in Chicago. And now we've right. Uh, and going into the Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, but he's already been nominated for the Frick Award. Uh, but uh, Euchre is 86 years old, and he's beloved. And there has never been, nor will there ever be, anybody like him. Uh, his sense of humor is just extraordinary. Uh, when he was uh, uh, accepted the Frick Award uh, for the uh, to go into the broadcasting wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame, he got up in Cooperstown. We're out in the out in the grass there. It's nine hundred degrees, and we're on the floor because he does. He had no prepared remarks. He did eighteen minutes of what was stand up. That's incredible. Yes, hysterical, <laughs> and he is. Uh, he's a kind and wonderful man, and such a credit to the game of baseball. Awesome. That's a great pick. All right, Jack, finish off your list for us. This last one here is a personal pick. Me being a Knicks fan, I got to go with Walt Frazier. I love listening to Walt call the Knicks, whether it's his rhyme, his rhyming, you know, hooping and swooping or dishing and swishing. Those are some of my favorite calls ever. He makes it fun for a team that is never fun to be a fan of. So I got to shout out Walt Frazier there. I need an extra pick. Uh, before okay. I, I know I'm, so identified, I'm so identified with baseball, but I have to go. I love hockey. I love hockey. I love the players. I, I, these are the toughest guys in the world. They're tougher than football players. I love the game. I don't know the game very well. Uh, reasonably enough, I've covered, I covered the uh, uh, Stanley Cup run of the New York Islanders. I still have a lot of friends off those teams. But uh, the work that Mike Emmerich does on mm-hmm. NBC mm-hmm. – week in and week out is without fear. He is Vin Scully on skates. Uh, I have never heard descriptions of the puck's movement and the person's movement on the ice like the way Emmerich describes it. And I have a tremendous respect for people who have a facility for the English language. And the things that he says are just amazing. And I I, I love him. Uh, he's, he's just great. And I'm fortunate to know. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I remember vividly uh, when Jack and I got a chance to call BC Hockey in this year. Yep. Neither of us knew anything about it. And our parents yep. both said, or our fathers both said, you got to listen to Doc Emmerich before you call the game. Like, you'll yeah. be so inspired. And we did, and we did not live up to it. But, you know, no. it, it gave us – It sounded like <laughs> we were calling a basketball game on skates, to be honest. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it was still so much fun, and that was – it was really cool to, you know – it, watching play-by-play or, or watching games and listening specifically to the, the announcers and trying to learn from them is just a really fascinating, cool thing for me. Uh, really do enjoy that. And because of that, I think I'm going to go, I don't know. I'm torn on this last pick. I have a couple interesting ones, uh, but I'm thinking like Kevin Harlan, just as another great okay. play-by-play guy who's very versatile, but now all I think of is NBA on TNT, seeing him uh, or listening to him rather for all those big games, the finals. <laughs> I want to go maybe also for Bob Shepard, the longtime uh, Yankees uh, PA guy who my dad absolutely loves. I remember I made him a ringtone of uh, Derek Jeter's, uh, you know, getting called up to the plate. I made that my dad's ringtone a while back, and he loved it. Uh, and he, I, I don't know, it, not really a personality, but more so just another guy who was so great at his craft. Like, if you heard someone walking up to the plate, you imagine it in Bob Shepard's voice. Uh, but just a, a solid list. Uh, our honorable mentions, I think Ed Randall, he didn't make it on our Ed list somehow. I don't know how, but uh, you're up there. Uh, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a throw us on there too. You know, oh, <laughs> you got right. right. no, no, no. big hungry vibes. Um, but Jeez. I had some others. I had the guys that part of my take uh, in terms of like a new school sure. uh, type of sports radio guys. I think they have fantastic interviewing skills and really bring the fun to whatever sport they're talking about. Um, I also have Harry Carey. I think that he really captured uh, the feel of being at a baseball park, you know, not necessarily what was going on in the game, but, you know, as a Cubs fan for people, like just having to be in a park on a nice day, Harry Carey captured that every time he got. I know we got to go, but I got two good, two very quick carry stories. Please do. Oh, Oh, always. Yeah. He's doing the White Sox and uh, the White Sox are in Minnesota and I'm, and I'm in Minnesota. Uh, I'm driving home after the uh, conclusion of my season in the Pacific Coast League and because uh, we get done at, on Labor Day. And I'm, I'm seated right in front of the press box, and the window is open. It, this is in Bloomington in the old uh, Metropolitan Stadium. And Ken Kravick is a left-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, and apparently he's not pitching at the frequency that Carey would like. And there's a pause there's a pause, there's dead air. Again, the window's open and it's right behind me. And I hear Harry yell on the air, come on, Kravick, throw the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. Then many years later, I I do a television show called Ed Randall's Talking Baseball, 14 years, uh, an interview show. Uh, It was, uh, it was a, it was a interview, intimate interview show, a lot like the old Charlie Rose show, uh, abs- absent the sexual harassment. And so that's an inside joke, if you know what happened to Charlie. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one, one of my 530 episodes was with Harry Carey. And I asked him about singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And he goes, well, you know, Ed, that's the only song I know the words to. And <laughs> I thought, well, what an addition that is. But what a, he, was, uh, he was very kind to me in those interchanges that I had with him. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good honorable mention, Jack. And, and a cool story to end on, I'd say. 
Uh, but thank, thank you me. so much for being here with us, Ed. Learned a lot from you and really enjoyed having you here. Always a fun yeah, time. Yeah, you're, so. you're like one of those guys, like uh, we also had on Bob Ryan. Like you two are literally yes. just walking encyclopedias about random moments. So we and we want to hear about all of them. Guys yeah. Like you on. yeah. We, we do. So we'd love to get you on again in the future at some point and, and really just hash it out. But Hopefully when sports are actually taking place. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 But if you, you have so anything in terms of info for fans for the cure, we can plug it on here a hundred percent. We got a decent following, so we'd love to help you out in any way we can. Well, we have, so, uh, we, uh, what we do among other things is that we do hospital referrals. We do doctor referrals. You don't have to have prostate cancer to come to us. If you have an issue, if you need a doctor, if you need a hospital, uh, please come to us at fansforthecure.org. That could be fans for the cure with the number four or the word for fansforthecure.org. Uh, 24 hours a day, we're here for you. And uh, we have a medical advisory board of th three dozen of the greatest urologists in this country. And uh, we also do a podcast now uh, every second Thursday night. Uh, men's health podcast uh, with men to come and share their stories that's, that's awesome. terrific yeah we will definitely keep plugging that for you we'll have it somewhere on our tweets all the descriptions for all this we'll, we'll make sure those are linked for you for sure Great. so thank you so much for doing that and thank you for sharing all your baseball insights with us it was a pleasure and uh, to all of you guys we will see you next time thank you for tuning in goodbye <laughs> later see you guys <laughs> Tell